Workforce Health Engagement, Episode 23, Slim by Design Workplace, Mindless Eating Solutions for a Healthier Workforce, featuring Dr. Brian Wansink. Brought to you by Aspinale Communications, a consulting firm helping midsize and large employers enhance the well-being and performance of their workforce. Learn more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Welcome to Workforce Health Engagement, a show exploring strategies to improve your employees' health and productivity and to protect your bottom line. Join us as industry experts discuss how to engage employees in population health management, wellness, and healthcare consumerism. This is a special series by the producers of the top-rated podcast, Engaging Leader. And now, with 20 years of experience as a communication consultant to Fortune 500 companies, helping engage hundreds of thousands of employees, here's your host, Jesse Leahy. Welcome to the show, Engagers. The best wellness programs are ones people don't even know they're doing. (laughs) That may sound like a pipe dream, but a leading researcher says it's realistic and effective. A few small changes in the workplace can change a waistline and even a culture. Leading behavioral economist, food psychologist, and best-selling author Dr. Brian Wansink joins us to discuss both small tweaks and major redesigns that actually work in helping employees make healthier choices. The answer is not to tell people how to eat or to limit their lunchtime menu to spinach and legumes. Instead, Brian's new book, Slim by Design, says the solution is to set up the workplace environment so employees will naturally eat healthier. From the renowned Food and Brand Lab at Cornell University, Dr. Brian Wansink, welcome to Workforce Health Engagement. It's great to be with you. Most corporate wellness programs remind us of negative things like harking all the way back to 10th grade. What, what's wrong with a typical <laughs> approach? <laughs> well, like I, like I wrote in my book, Slim by Design, that, you know, if you look at most workplace wellness programs, they have sort of a nutrition education component, which sounds an awful like, like health class. It has a, like a physical fitness component, which sounds a lot like gym class. It has some sort of like incentive which sounds a lot like grades, and it has something about the lunchroom that sounds a lot like icky school lunches that we remember. And, you know, and unless you were valedictorian in high school, none of those things probably really resonate with you as an employee. That's right. For a lot of us, they bring back bad memories, especially gym <laughs> class. <laughs> Didn't I understand biology? What is the deal? <laughs> now, so in, your, in, in Slim by Design, you, instead of recommending a wellness program that does wellness to people, you're recommending some basically tweaks in the environment that make wellness sort of happen by default. Yeah, and a lot of those are tweaks in the environment that can happen that cost no money at all, that can be made overnight. I mean, for instance, we uh, were asked to, oh, to redo the Google cafeterias to make them so they guided people to eat healthier and not less healthy. And simply by using our past results and other studies, to um, make uh, the, the drinks, the high-calorie drinks, less visible. You know, making the fruit the first and last thing people see. Taking those little candy bars and putting them in the bottom shelves instead of the top shelves just changed overnight what people did. But it's not just for you know, like smart Google computers. We've done the same thing in a lot of army bases. Okay, we've simply changed lunchrooms so that the first thing people see ends up being healthy or that they have to ask somebody to hand them a cookie, which is behind the counter, or there's a sign that calls something, you know, um, let's see, California green beans instead of just 
green beans. We find even these people overnight end up eating healthier in these cafeterias. It doesn't matter whether they have computer science degrees from Stanford or whether they're carrying M16. Works for everybody. Now, a common concern that comes up when you talk about workplace cafeterias is usually comes from the food service vendor. And they say, you know, if we take away the pizza or the burger and fries, the vendor won't be able to make a profit. How do you address that? You know, total, total lies. Because what happens is that a lot of the margin, a lot of the higher margin items end up being the higher profit items. But what they're looking at, they're they're just saying, well, we, we, we sell 100 pieces of pizza a day and we only sell 10 shrimp salads. But what if the shrimp salad was... The thing that was highlighted in the menu. What if that was a special every Tuesday? What if that's the thing that the, uh, the person in charge sort of suggested as, a, as, a, as an additional option? All of a sudden, it would go from being 10 items to being 50 items. If it's got twice the margin, you're making a whole lot more. A lot of these food service companies, what they would look, look at is they look at current sales and kind of go, no, that's not what people want. They want pizza. It's like, well, yeah, because... It's the only thing you've got sitting out. It's the first thing to see. It's what you're trying to push because it's easier to convince somebody to do that. But that's not what they make the most money on. And, and part of slim by design is being able to show, whether it be a, a company or whether it be a, a vendor, there's a lot of win-win, really profitable ways that you can make people eat better while making more profit, while being a, a better company or a better vendor. So how would you go about designing a healthier cafeteria? What are some of the things you would change up? Well, the basic approach we would use, and it's one we've used actually, it's it's very similar to what we've done in Army bases or Google. We've done this in over 20,000 school lunchrooms across America. Wow. It's simply taking the healthiest food that you want to promote and making it most convenient. That That could be most convenient to see, most convenient to buy, most convenient to sort of relate to something else you're going to buy, make it more attractive. That could be, you know, giving it an attractive name. That could be putting it in a nice bowl. That could be making it more attractive by having somebody actually suggest it to you and making it more normal, making it seem more normal to pick up. Okay. By again, having it be first in line, having it be the the predominance of that offering for vegetables, for instance, and things like this. And then Conversely, it's doing just the opposite for the indulgent stuff. It's not getting rid of the cookie. It's mm. not getting the ice cream bars because that's going to irk people. It's going to give them a reason to not eat at the cafeteria. But it's just making that cookie less convenient because you, you know, make it less attractive because it's the last thing they see after they fill the tray up with food instead of the first thing they see. Making it less normal to get because there aren't 40 of them depicted in back of the lunch line, but there's four. Brian, should a, a workplace cafeteria use stickers and icons or ratings to help people make healthier choices? A lot of stickers and a lot of ratings can move people in the right direction, and, but mainly when it comes to healthier food. So you know, there's a lot of people say, you know, you should never be advertising uh, food in cafeterias because it's just it's evil, evil, I tell you. No, it's not. Actually, what we find is what benefits most from stickers, advertisements, promotions you know, aren't the cookies because people are going to get those anyway. What benefits most are the healthier items that people just wouldn't think of and they need a little boost that says, you know, good for you or chef's recommendation or something like that. We found, <laughs> this is crazy, we found in, in one study we did with um, young kids simply putting an 
Elmo sticker <laughs> on, on bags of carrots increased the number of kids who took carrots by eightfold, by 800%. I don't really know what Elmo is, but it <laughs> doesn't do it for me, but it, it certainly works for kids. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think there's an analog in some ways in, 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 in lunchrooms that some of those things can help bring some attention or at least cue somebody to something that might be healthier. Yeah, I've seen cafeterias where they had a, a green light, yellow light, red light. And I found it interesting in your book, you said that, you know, maybe the green light sort of thing is okay to, as you said, spe- point out the healthier stuff. But boy, when you start cutting hairs about what's a yellow light or what's a red light, you basically lose employees' trust because they, they, they realize that there's some discretion there in how those are, decisions are made. Absolutely. So that's what we recommend. It's just a sticker on the things that you want to promote. It's not saying this is good and this is bad, but just saying, hey, here's something that's recommended. This is a chef's recommendation. This is today's recommendation. Hey, this is good. I also thought it was really interesting in the book, you talk about how effective it can be to simply put up a poster in cafeterias and also in break rooms reminding people about the half plate concept. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is really powerful. So I used to be in charge of the dietary guidelines from 2007 to 2009 with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I, I took a break here from Cornell after I, after I wrote the book Mindless Eating. I went down and, and it was a White House appointment to do that. And, and, and numerous times, I mean, you're, you're giving talks all the time as, as an executive director for a USDA agency. And all the time, people in the audience would say, you know, what is the one thing that you would recommend people do to eat better? And, and I would say, you know, breaking from a USDA tradition, I'd say, you know, there's one thing you could do. It's you take your dinner plate and you say, look, I can eat whatever I want, but half of my plate has to be filled with fruits, vegetables, and salad. And the other half can be anything. I can go back for seconds and thirds and fourths, but half my plate, again, always has to be fruits, vegetables, and salad. The other half can be anything I want. And, and by having this very simple either-or sort of rule of thumb, it moved people toward eating in better balance, okay, self-reported, they self-reportedly ate in better balance, and self-reportedly led them to claim they ate about 20% fewer calories by simply using this silly half-plate rule. So it's, it's something I recommend in Slim by Design. It's something that you know, we use at home. It's something that most of my people even use in the lab with their kids. So generally speaking, you're not recommending a whole lot of education that tells people what to do, but there's some, just a simple visual trigger like that, that really does seem to cause people to, to change their behaviors. Yeah, because what happens is most people know that an apple's better for them than a cookie, but what do we want? <laughs> the cookie. <laughs> So instead of trying to educate people, which again, going back to the 10th grade analogy, is like health class, <laughs> instead of just telling people, look, eat whatever you want. Half has to be fruits, vegetables, and salad. So the other half can be barbecued ribs, ice creams, and brownies. But half has to be this. People kind of go, great, you're not depriving me. You're not telling me what to eat and what not to eat. You're just kind of telling me the balance to eat. I like that. And then you end up, over time, f- discovering that the, the, the vegetables and salads and fruits actually fill you up. So you end up not really going back for that third helping eventually. Yeah, and it's not just that, but you know, at some point, that, that, first, that first plate of uh, barbecue ribs, brownies, and cupcakes 
tastes pretty good. But after you finish that first plate, you're like, you know, I wouldn't mind another cupcake, but I don't want to have to eat a half plate. Of vegetables to do it. <laughs> Enough broccoli. <laughs> Stop the pain. In Slim by Design, there's you talk about this study, how you studied people about what that happens when they pay cash. I was very surprised by this. Tell us about that. So one of the things we've done, we set up a bunch of different studies where we'd have people that you could pay by their um, company debit card or their, their account number, or we made them pay by cash. One of the things we, we find is that if we make people pay by cash, they end up ordering a lot more of the healthy stuff and a lot less of the unhealthy stuff. So it seems like there's, there's something about having a dollar in hand. We say, really, with this dollar, I can buy an Apple or I can buy an iTunes you know, song. <laughs> well... I'm not going to get the brownie. I'll get the apple. Okay. But when you have, when you have a credit card, it's like, well, you know, it's like it's not even real money. So we think that that's what happens with the food is people don't really think it's a real food and that it has real consequences. So they actually default into a, you know, imaginary make-believe land where they can eat anything and it doesn't have any consequences. Mm-hmm. But something about paying cash really reverts that. We had, we had a person we worked with a while back and, they had, they had some difficulties. The rest of their diet was fine, except lunch always blew it. And I said, make me the promise that just for two weeks, you'll pay with cash and nothing else. And let's talk after two weeks. After two weeks, he said, I think I'll be paying with cash for the rest of my life. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. But there's all these really small changes that can be done in companies to, to guide people to eat healthier. But that's only part of it is getting them to eat healthy when they're in the companies. And the other big part is if if you can set something up so that people eat healthier at home, okay, what happens is it not only benefits them, but it benefits their entire family. And that's why in the Slim by Design, we have this the scorecard for the companies. So a company can score whether, you know, they're making their employees fat by design or slim by design, whether they're making them, you know, healthy or, or uh, heavy. But it's also important that we acknowledge that probably more can be done by a company by helping their workers eat just a little bit better at home. And I think, you know, using the, the scorecards we have for homes are really work really well. And this is really relevant. I was given a, just given a keynote in, in Vegas last week to a, a series of wellness executives with companies, and one of the um, things that, that's come up in past talks is like, hey, what do we do? We, we got a ton of telecommuters. We got a ton of uh, of people who are Salesforce people. They're they're never in the office. They're never at the corporate work site. They're either working at home or they're on the road. What can be done for them? And so, we've even worked at coming up with a Slim by Design course for home employees or home based employees that are working for a company or on the road a lot that can kind of move them in the direction of having healthier, better habits without having to rely on some sort of a corporate challenge where, you know, you <laughs> are doing something uh, that might not be very sustainable. Well, I want to ask you about that, but there's one question I have back to the cash one real quickly. You're not actually recommending that work cafeterias refuse credit cards and debit cards, are you? What what, what do you recommend? No, no, that, 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 that wouldn't really work for a whole <laughs> lot of places. But it, it is something that if an individual themselves wants to pay with cash. It could be the sort of thing that a, that a company says, you know, here's the deal. Pay with cash, you get a 10% discount. You know, it might, it's certainly not going to hurt business to do that, but we are also doing, besides avoiding that credit card fee, 
is you're uh, probably also nudging them to eat in the right direction. But yeah. interestingly, yeah. from our research, it's not to spend less money. You still spend a lot of money. So that makes good sense to to offer a discount, even if it's like two percent or five percent, because you're gonna the, the vendor's gonna save the three to five percent credit card transaction fee anyway. And so yeah, it would nudge people to pay with cash and probably make some healthier eating decisions. So yeah, these people on the roads, uh, road warriors and work from home employees. How does that work? Is this like a, a course they take uh, over the internet? Yeah, actually, it's a course you actually take on your phone. You sign up for it, and what happens is it, it gives you some suggestions as to what to do. But then it very importantly says, what are your problems? What's what's tripping you up the most? And it helps you solve those problems. There's an interactive consultants that you interact with, and there's push messages every day. There's little videos. There's things you can read. We find that it really seems to work extremely well for normal consumers, but also a lot for uh, a lot of workers who are at home or they're on the road, but they're, they're just not surrounded by the support system that could be available in a company if companies did things right. So if let's say I'm a vice president of human resources listening to this and, I, and we've got a significant sales force or work from home workforce, how do we get started with something like that? Well, you can just go to the website slimbydesign.org and there's something that's called the course, the Slim by Design course, and simply sign up for that or you know, contacting us and we can come up with something for your company that ends up being more stylized for your specific company and ends up being maybe part of a benefits package or part of that shopping list of, of, of benefits that people can sign up for once a year uh, is a great way to move in the right direction. Excellent. Now, in the book, Slim by Design, you've, after each of the main sections, the, the five main sections of the book, there's a 100-point scorecard. Uh, you mentioned the one for the home, a 100-point scorecard where people can go through and, and get a sense for how they're doing and what what be the high-priority things they could do even better. Yeah. Then there's a workplace scorecard. Tell us about that. Well, if we start with a home-based scorecard, just as, as okay. so there's a so the metaphor and example people can think about, there's just a lot of changes that you, you'd answer a number of questions, be like, is my kitchen clear and not cluttered? Well, if it's either yes or no, and if it's yes, you get a point. Okay, and we what we know is that if your kitchen's cluttered, you're likely to snack forty four percent more than if your kitchen's clear. Okay, wow. and so all these things are things that push you in, you push you to design your kitchen or rearrange your kitchen in a way that makes it more slim by design and less sort of fat by design. <laughs> well, well, analogously, in working with all the different companies that we've worked with in, the, in this wellness space, one of the things we know through our research is that there's a ton of things that can be done in companies, whether it be with the cafeteria, which we've, which we've mentioned, the break room, or with physical activity, with the general sort of ethos of, of what goes on, whether it be with benefits packages and things like this, that all move a workplace to be a little bit more healthy than the one down the road, okay? And to go through and to score your workplace, whether you be the benefits officer or the, the wellness officer, or whether you be an employee who says, hey, I wonder if my company's working for me or against me when it comes to my health. I mean, they can talk a big game, but really, do they have this? Nope. Do they have this? Yes. Do they have this? Nope. It, it gives not only a way to rate your particular company, but it also very importantly says, here's exactly some changes you can make to make your company healthier for employees. And most of them don't cost anything. Now, I think the other power about this is that 
because it's benchmarkable, you can fill it out at one time and maybe you get a, your company gets a 35 out of 100. But there are 10 changes you can make within two weeks to make it go from a 35 to a 45. And maybe being at the 45, there's a bunch of other changes you see that you can now sell upper management by saying, look, we do okay, but we don't do great. You're looking for things to do. Here's the stuff that's evidence-based that one second this group at the Cornell Food and Brand Lab have found makes companies healthier, makes employees healthier by design. You guys basically had the luxury, if you will, or the discipline of doing a bunch of A-B type testing. And you've tested what happens if we put the red thing here? What happens if we uh, change this up? And, And you're actually watching what actually motivates people's behaviors. So it's not just theoretical. Yeah. No, all the studies that we have, and in fact, all the recommendations we make are based on either studies that we've done in labs or studies that we've done in actual work sites where we've seen that it's, it's moved some dial. I mean, the dial may not, might not be dropping somebody's blood pressure by 10 <laughs> points, but it might be by, by having them uh, double the amount of fruit they pick up in a week and eat. Brian, why is it so important for organizational leaders to help employees avoid eating lunch at their desk? Well, there's, there's three reasons, and, and all, all three of them are really great. The first thing is that when somebody, an employee eats lunch at their desk, you know, they're thinking that they're taking a hit for the team and they're, you know, they're being a good soldier, whereas really they're you know, updating Facebook or they're watching like <laughs> surfing dog videos or skateboarding <laughs> dogs. The, the, the thing is that typically those people, from what we found, end up eating worse overall for the day. They either snack in the afternoon to kind of reward themselves for having been such a good worker or they <laughs> eat worse at night. But the second and third thing are the ones that are think, I think are really important for employers is that People eat at their desk and end up rating their, that they, they enjoy their job less, and they also rate that they don't feel as close to their uh, fellow employees. And if, wow, what it takes to make people eat less, like their job more, like their fellow employees, is to set up an environment where people are encouraged to you know, go to a break room or go to the cafeteria or to, or to do something with other people, that's a fairly easy step to take to try to encourage that not kind of encourage the slaves of the galley ship pulling their oars over lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those slave masters, it it does call into question the the managers and leaders and what they encourage or discourage. In Slim by Design, you talk about the importance of helping leaders see it as part of their job to help employees be healthier. We encourage our managers to help our employees eat a little bit better. But one of the things that we end up finding is that there usually is not a whole lot of teeth behind something like this. You know, you say, hey, we want you to make your employees healthier. People go, yeah, yeah, I think, I think we do something like that. What doesn't happen, however, is really any incentives. And so we did this really neat thing. And this was with the company. It was with this, a number of different companies where we said, what would happen if a company were to say to its management, look, next year, 10% of your salary increase or 10% of your bonus is going to be specifically tied to what you tried to do this last year to either make your employees healthier or less healthy. What do you think would happen? One of the things that we found is that simply saying, look, we are specifically you know, uh, tying 10% of your next year's salary to whether you did something this year that could help your employees 
be healthier. Regardless of whether it worked or not, regardless of whether they lost weight or they got healthier or whatever, if you did some things, you're going to get that bonus. And one of the things we find is that a huge percentage of, uh, of managers, I think it was over 70%, said, you know, I'd like that. And then what's even cooler, we set up this thing, we said, okay, let's say there's two companies out there, one of them that has part of your bonuses tied to health, one of them that doesn't. Hmm. You know, which company would you like to work for? And we found people who believed that working for a company where at least part of their bonus dealt with whether they did an action that they believe could benefit their employees ended up being wildly the company that many of these managers wanted to work for because he said a company that does something like that probably has a whole lot more going for it also in terms of being a leading thinker, in terms of being you know, a leader in, in, in this industry. Now, we haven't seen this happen anywhere. Nobody's actually implemented it, but you can bet the first company that does this is going to be seen as an incredibly bold leader in the whole area of wellness. So companies haven't done it, but the studies show that managers say they would they would love that and they would rather work for a company that put that requirement on them. It's interesting because generally any sort of carrot and stick kind of discussion is going to be a negative, but this is basically saying it's not so much about carrot and stick, it's just saying we really care about our people. Yeah, and we're showing it to you by we're going to we're going to we're going to tie 10% or at least 10% of any bonus you get next year on whether you did any efforts to move people forward. So, I mean, this is a really cool article. I actually, you know, it's mentioned throughout Slim by Design, but actually the actual article too, if people want to contact me, I can give it to them because it has all the list of the, of the different sorts of actions that managers could take and which are more appealing to managers and which are less appealing to managers. In the same way, in Slim by Design, you talk about the health conduct code requiring new employees to sign something like that. And it, again, seems like it would be a negative, but, but people love it. Well, this is, this is crazy. So again, we've, we've worked with a lot of very visionary companies and they kind of go, well, you know, health contact codes, you know, I don't know if something like that would work. Well, if you look at most companies, most companies have all sorts of employee conduct codes. You know, they've got an employee conduct code we sign that says, says we're uh, not going to steal pencils <laughs> and we're not going to wear, you know, Speedos and like black mesh t-shirts to work. I mean, there's a... <laughs> There's all sorts of conduct codes that people sign. But what if there was an employee wellness code? It's a code that you start. Of course, you'd be grandfathered in if you were already with the company. But a new employee that starts says, here's the deal. If you want to sign this conduct code, uh, we're going to give you what might be a, a discount in your insurance or it might be a lower copay or it might be whatever. The, the code could say anything on it. Like, again, we've got an article that shows what's most promising in this area again if you contact me i can get you the article but it's also in slim by design that it can, it can be some of these minors i brian wansink promised that i will get an annual physical and that could be a, that could be as much of a code as it is or it might be a little bit more than that that if i'm over uh 50 years old and a male i'll get a prostate exam or it could be really elaborate but what we find is that the vast majority of employees, even those who are overweight, say they would sign a code like this if it gave a little benefit. And that could be a lower copay, it could be an extra day vacation, it could be a lottery for a vaca an actual vacation. And even overweight employees said, you know, I'd do that because you know what it would do? <laughs> It'd step me in line 
to, it'd be the motivation I need to keep my BMI below, I don't know, 30 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, would, it, would, it would be the motivation. Now, the only single group we found that wasn't very excited about it was people who, were, who had BMIs of over 30. For them, it just seemed maybe a little too threatening. And, you know, that's fine because not everybody has to sign it. And they, they can maybe, you know, if somebody doesn't want to sign it, they just have a higher copay. You know, they just don't get as much of a discount. They don't get certain benefits. Well, there's, you provide a sample of a, a health conduct code in the book, Slim by Design. All these ideas and many more are in the book. Uh, again, the book is Slim by Design, Mindless Eating Solutions for Everyday Life. Dr. Brian Wansink, how can folks get a hold of that book and find out more about you and, and get a hold of you? Yeah, you can, you can get it on the, on the web or in your local bookstore. You can find the website slimbydesign.org or you can contact me, Brian Wansink, at Cornell, just Google my name and email will pop up and it'll go to the right person. Dr. Brian Wansink, thank you for joining us on Workforce Health Engagement. I love it, Jesse. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for what you do, too. All right, Engagers, that's going to wrap up this episode. Again, you can uh, get a hold of Brian's book and find out more about him at the website slimbydesign.org. Check him out on Twitter, at Slim by Design. Uh, and we'll put all of his contact information, his uh, social media and websites and everything on our show notes for this episode. You can find those show notes when you go to our website, engagingleader.com forward slash WHE23, as in Workforce Health Engagement, episode 23. I should also mention the book, Slim by Design, goes into not just workplace health, but also how you eat around the home, at restaurants, um, your school, lunchrooms. And I think you're going to find this book inspiring not just for your leadership at work, but also in your own life and with your family. So check that out, Slim by Design, Mindless Eating Solutions for Everyday Life. Of course, while you're on the show notes page, you can engage with us by providing your thoughts or questions in the comments section or by clicking the red Send Voicemail button. You can also engage with us at facebook.com forward slash engagingleader or on Twitter where I am at Jesse Leahy. If you enjoyed this series, be sure to check out the leadership podcast, Engaging Leader, where my guests and I share ways to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. You can find both Workforce Health Engagement and Engaging Leader podcasts in iTunes, Stitcher, and on our website at engagingleader.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, over the long term, a program of the day won't help you boost employee health, productivity, and your bottom line. No, for sustainable success, you need an integrated approach to workforce health engagement.